It's good to be with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to the book of Judges. The book of Judges, chapter 2. We'll begin reading in verse 11 of that chapter. Two great old songs. I love those songs. Nothing but the blood. Take it to the Lord in prayer. That's what we need to be doing across our land. As you search for you, Pastor, we'll certainly be in prayer for you. A number of our churches that are out of pastors right now in Alcorn County. And I guess we're no exception. There are probably other counties just the same situation that we find ourselves in here. So we'll be praying for you. I hope you'll come back tonight. I understand on Sunday night you meet in the fellowship hall, but if you have an opportunity to come and be with us, I'd like to share a few thoughts with you. Uh, one of those involves a ministry that I'm in. It's called the Gospel Track Ministry. And I would like to share that with you. And then we'll talk a little bit about E.E. E. Some of you remember E.E., e., don't you? Yeah. Your church, a few years ago, we had an E.E. program here. And we were a part of that. And we enjoyed being a part of it. So I hope you'll come if you have opportunity to do so. I'd like to speak to you for a few minutes concerning America's apostasy. You may have a Bible that at verse 11 in Judges 2 that has a little caption that says Israel's apostasy. And I'd like to change that for us this morning a little bit and say America's apostasy. I believe we're in that situation in our country today. Let me give you a definition for apostasy. An act of refusing to continue to follow, obey, or recognize a religious faith. Would you agree this morning that that's probably where we are Amen. in America? Refusing to continue to follow, or obey, or recognize a religious faith. Read with me if you have your Bibles open to the Old Testament of Judges, beginning in verse 11 of chapter 2. The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. They forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt, and followed other gods, the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them, provoked the Lord to anger. They forsook the Lord and served Baal and Asheroth. The anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he delivered them into the hands of spoilers that spoiled them. He sold them into the hands of their enemies round about, so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. Whithersoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them. For evil, as the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn unto them, and they were greatly distressed. 
Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. Yet they would not hearken unto their judges. But they went a-whoring to them, they turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandments of the Lord. But they did not so. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you this morning for another opportunity to assemble together to worship our Lord and our God. We thank you that we live in a country where we still have that privilege. But we see so many signs today that there's a falling away. And we just pray this morning that we will receive from this time together an encouragement to keep on keeping on for the cause of Christ until he comes for us or till we go home to be with him. Thank you for this church, what it stands for. Father, I pray that you would bless them in this time of looking for a, a shepherd, that you will send them the right person. We know that you have a will and you have a way and you have a person in mind. They will seek your will as they seek someone to lead them. And we pray now that you bless the reading of your word. Let should there be someone here this morning that's never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior. May this be the very day they would say of an everlasting yes to Jesus. Trust Him and Him alone for their salvation. And it's in His precious name we pray. When we look at America today, I want to share about three things with you that I believe that's a part of that apostasy. Number one would be America's refusal to stay on course. We have for too long let things slip in our schools, our government, and all of that. You know, when the pilgrims first came to America, they came for a specific purpose. They were tired of the king of England dictating to them how they could worship. And they wanted to come to a land where they could worship their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you know all of the stories about their struggles, how they were... So many of them passed away during that time of trying to get started in a new land. And one of the most important things to them when they would develop a new community would be the church house and the schoolhouse. Those two things were so important to them. And yet it seems like today we're letting those things slip. I want to share with you quickly about three quotes from Shays Evangelism Association. Glenda and I get correspondence from this gentleman and he sends these monthly. And one of those he sent three different people that had made comments about America. One of those was Jedekiah Morris 
He earned the title of Father of American Geography. He was a strong advocate for instilling Christian principles into our public education. And here's what he said. In proportion as the genuine effects of Christianity are diminished in any nation, in the same proportion will the people of that nation recede from blessings of genuine freedom. Whenever the pillars of Christianity shall be overthrown, our present Republican form of government and all the blessings which flow from them must fall with them. Another one, Benjamin Rush, was known as the father of public education. Here's what he said. If we remove the Bible from schools, we'll spend too much time and money punishing crime and too little time preventing crime. He went on to say, the Bible should be read in our schools in preference to all other books. You see, when they established those schools, the main book of their curriculum was the Holy Bible. And they read it. I'm old enough to remember that we used to read the Bible. Before the 70s, when the Supreme Court decided we didn't need Bibles Bible reading in our schools anymore. But I can remember at Oingamar School we would have devotional. The teacher would have a Bible on her desk. And she'd pull that Bible and read some verses before we would start today. And by the way, we would stand and salute the flag of the United States of America. We did that every morning. We're living in a different day, aren't we? A different day. But that's what he said. And the third one was Noah Webster. Probably more familiar with him because Webster's Dictionary, we still rely on it a little bit, don't we? Noah Webster had a famous spelling book for about 150 years was used in the schools. His philosophy of education here it is. The Christian religion is the most important and one of the first things in which all children under a free government ought to be instructed. No truth is more evident than that the Christian religion must be the basis of our government intended to secure the rights and privileges of a free people. I submit to you we need to get back some of those times. It's very alarming even in our own Southern Baptist Convention that we have many ministers today that will not stand and defend this Bible as the total Word of God. I don't know about you, but I'm going to keep believing all 66 books. I believe it's inspired. I believe it's without error. And it's a book that we need so much. It's God's infallible word. You take it out of the schools and you leave that void for crime. Somebody said we swapped our Bible for metal detectors. 
and our schools. Now, I don't have to tell you about all the horrible stories that's happened in our schools with the shootings and things that's going on. But America is slipping. And another reason, I think, is the rebellion against law and order. I don't have to tell you this morning about the big movement to defund the police. Redo the police work. Cities are struggling today because of the crime increase. And many of those officers have simply left because they didn't have the support they needed. Can you imagine when an officer puts on that uniform every morning? What they face during the day. What it means to a wife or a husband as they see their mate go out into a sin-cursed world hoping they will come back alive. Yet we have so far gone from that. I'll not take a lot of time with you, but I wanted to share a thought in the introduction, and you may have it in your Bible. But here's what it, what it says. No weapon can destroy the people that puts their faith in God. No weapon can destroy the people that puts their faith in God. All the weapons of war are useless unless God gives the victory. Faith in God is stronger than a thousand armies. You remember old Gideon? They said he was from the weakest tribe. He was probably the weakest person from the weakest tribe. How God used him to win some great battles for his people. But he went with God. And what have we done? We try to go without God, don't we? And another lesson that we ought to learn is that chaos reigns whenever man is free to do what is right in his own eyes. You see, that's where we are in America. You throw the Bible out and everybody decides, well, what's right for me is right for me. I'll do as I please, I'll do as I see. And in most cases, now they're getting by with it, aren't they? And that's where we are. So this is an expression, the original sin which goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. You remember what Satan did to Adam and Eve? You remember the question he posed to them? Hath God said? You remember God placed them in that beautiful garden? He said, you have free reign of the garden, but there's one tree in this garden that you must not deal with. And that was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And Satan comes along and tempts Eve. He says, has God said? In other words, in, in our modern language, we would probably say, Eve, you know better than that. God probably didn't say that. You just misunderstood him. But God said, don't partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
And you know the rest of the story. Now we men like to blame the women, don't we? Eve took, but then what did she do? She didn't make Adam eat, did she? The Bible says she partook and gave it to Adam. And he did it. So we're all in it together to see what's happening. And that's the start of it. All the way back to the Garden of Eden. And we have people today that are funding ungodly people, government. Linda and I just got through reading a, a great little book by Dr. Nelson Bell. You may have never heard of him, but he's Dr. Billy Graham's father-in-law, Ruth Bell's father. He was a great missionary to China for many years. He's written a little book called While Men Slept. While Men Slept. And he's got a lot of different chapters. And in one of those chapters, though, he talks about our institutions. How we're sending our young people off to these institutions. And if they're not grounded in the faith, these ungodly professors and teachers soon have them questioning this Bible. And I want you to listen to what, what he said in, in one of those comments. He says they are forced to substitute reason for faith. You see, if they're not grounded in this Bible and in their faith, these ungodly professors will try to convince them you're just off on the wrong track. He says they're substituting reason for faith, reformation for redemption, and a program for a person. Most of our institutions today, I'm afraid, are following that pattern of trying to convince our young people that this Bible has errors and you need to follow reason rather than faith. I don't know about you, but I'm going to follow faith. I'm going to stay with God's book. And he talks a lot about how we've gone. And by the way, that book was written in the 70s. And he was already seeing the trend in America. Can you imagine what 50 years has done to that trend? I don't believe it's gotten better, do you? I think it's gotten worse. And that's some of the statements that he made for us. So it's a sad day. George Soros has funded untold, ungodly people with all of his billions of money. And many of those people are in places today that when someone commits a crime, they're back out on the street in a few days to do it again. I believe we need to get back to God's Word and back to honoring law and order 
because civilized life is impossible when every man does his own way. But you see, this Bible tells us the truth. It tells us the truth. And we need very much to follow. So what's the remedy for America's apostasy? There is a remedy. I wonder if we will utilize it. If you go look back at the 16th verse of Judges 2, notice what God did for the Israelites. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them or mistreated them. I believe God would raise up some godly leaders for us if we would put our prayers in the right place. We need to elect godly people in high offices that will take their stand and tell the truth. We need to get back to true evangelism in our churches. Telling people there's only one way to heaven. You may have seen the ad, and I, I, I get a little upset with it, and I'm glad they're doing something, but it says, when you die, are you going to heaven or not? You know what I would rather them say? When you die, are you going to heaven or hell? Folks, there are only two places. And when you say heaven or not, you're leaving it open and say, well, maybe I may not make heaven, but what about that other place? I might make some other places. No. There are only two places people spend eternity. And that's heaven with Jesus. Because you've trusted Him and Him alone for salvation. Or it's hell. With Satan and his angels and all of his cohorts. We need to make the right choices, don't we? We need to send godly people places of high office. I get sick and tired of hearing all these people say, I'm a person of faith. And you look at their lives and you look at the bills that they sponsor and you wonder a person of faith faith in what or who we need people in high office that have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ you remember how you spell faith F-A-I-T-H forsaking all I trust him and you know who the him is it is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ if you get saved and get on your way to heaven it will be because you place your faith and trust 
and Jesus Christ, the one who died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin and mine. God raised him up the third day for our justification. And I don't have a whole lot of confidence in your first three seeds of confessing your sins if you don't tell somebody what's happened to you. You see, I believe before you get saved, you have to recognize that you're a sinner. The EE program, that one thing we pointed out, that all are sinners. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So you, first of all, you have to recognize I'm a sinner. And as a sinner, I deserve to go to hell, not heaven. But then you can repent of your sins. You military people know what the word repent really means. It comes from a word metanoia. And it's a 180 degree turn. The old sergeants used to bark out, you know, about face. And you knew to make that 180 degree turn. That means I'm on my way to hell because I'm a sinner. But I recognize I'm a sinner. I confess my sin. And I accept Jesus Christ. So I turn from my sin and I turn to Him for justification and eternal life. And we need to confess, I believe, before men. I don't believe God is pleased with secret Christians. If you get really saved, I believe you want to tell somebody what happened to you. I was on my way to hell, but now I'm on my way to heaven. I'm living for Jesus. And that would be my prayer for each of us. We would be living of Jesus Christ in the days that we're still here on this earth. You see, the solution for America's apostasy really starts with you and with me. What we do to have an influence on somebody else's life. I asked you that question this morning. Have you confessed your sin to Jesus Christ? Acknowledge your sin. And say, Lord, I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. And I thank you that you died on the cross to pay my penalty for my sin. And I believe if you'll do that, believing in your heart and trusting him, he certainly will save you. And I believe then you ought to be baptized. No, I don't preach that baptism saves you. But I do preach that I believe it's a command. Because it's a beautiful picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you've never been scripturally baptized, we believe baptism by immersion, that means going under the water, signifying Christ's death and being raised from the water signifying His resurrection 
and our new walk with him. So if you've never been baptized, I would encourage you to do that. And you might say this morning, Brother Carl, I'm just one person. You think I could make a difference in America's apostasy? I think you could. Do you remember the story of Esther? The Old Testament. Tremendous story. If you haven't read it, you need to go back and read it sometime. Her uncle, Mordecai, asked Esther one day, said, Esther, the only solution is for you to go to the king and tell the king the truth. And at first Esther said, I'm, no, I'm not me. I'm a Jew. If he finds out I'm a Jew and I go approach him and he doesn't hold out his staff to me, I'm dead. I'm gone. And Mordecai kept coming back. And you remember one of his statements was, Who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Oh, Haman was an evil, evil person. And he wanted to expose Mordecai and get the king to allow him to hang him. So Haman went out and he built him a big scalpel. We're told it was 75 feet high. He really wanted everybody to see this hanging. And he had planned to hang Mordecai on that scaffold. But Esther said, okay, it may cost me my life, but I'm going to go to the king. And she went to the king and told the king the truth. You see, years before, O'Haman had really tried to have the king assassinated. Esther was aware of that, and she shared all this truth with him. And then when he said, well, who is he? And it's Haman. And guess who got hung on the scaffold that was made for Mordecai? None other than Haman. See, he was a proud guy. But Esther was an humble servant. And she said, it may cost me my life, but I'm going to tell the truth. And folks, I think that's what God expects of us today. To be willing to tell the truth. That there's only one way to heaven. His name is Jesus. And I'm going to try my best to be a witness for him while he leaves me here on this earth. America's in a state of chaos. Our country is in trouble. And I believe if it's turned around, it'll be because of people like Esther that will say, no matter what comes, I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to compromise this Bible. I'm going to keep on keeping on 
for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I hope you'll join me in that commitment to say, Lord, our country is going downhill. Our children and our grandchildren are not going to get to enjoy the wonderful freedoms and privileges that we've had if we don't get our nation turned around. So I hope you will join me in taking our stand. You remember what old Joshua said? You know, we're, we're in Judges this morning. Joshua's the one that, remember, had led them into the Promised Land. But he has died. And so we're into other people leading. But here's what Joshua said before he passed away. In Joshua 24, verse 14, let me read this in closing. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and truth. Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt. Serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Here's his statement. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God help us that we might be Joshua's of old. And say we're going to continue to serve our God. It may eventually cost us our life. But guess what? All they can do is kill the body. They can't touch the soul. Because Paul said to be absent from the body is to be weak. Present with the Lord. God help us to take our stand to save America, the land that we love. Let's pray together. And Father, we thank you this morning that you've allowed us to live in a land that's been blessed with freedom of worship. It's been blessed with men and women who put on a uniform and go out every day to give us that protection that we've enjoyed. And Father, we earnestly pray this morning that we might see a great revival in America. We praise you for what we hear about the college there in Kentucky that seemed like they're on fire for the Lord once again, and we hope that will just continue to spread among our young people. And they'll look some of these ungodly professors in the face and say, I'm going all the way with Jesus. I'm going to stay with my Bible. I'm going to serve Him. Help us to do that, Father. And then, Father, I pray if there's one here this morning that's never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, help them to realize all they have to do is recognize they're a sinner too, like we are, and then confess that sin, turn from their wicked way of sin, and trust Jesus Christ and Him alone for their salvation. So we pray during this invitation, if there's anyone that needs to trust Jesus, this would be the day. They would do what they've been glad they've done, 
And he'll be so glad that I'm going to stand before you one day. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.